everybody. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and I love to say that to all my friends who may be in Canada, who may be in New York, who may be somewhere where it's really cold. And right now it is hot, hot, hot in Florida, and it is actually quite pretty. And the sun is shining. My flowers are happy. I was able to put some fertilizer on yesterday, and all is well. And the best thing since last week, because last week I tested positive for COVID, dodged the bullet for the last two years and finally caught it over 4th of July with some friends from my husband's college. And today I tested negative and I'm feeling great. So I'm so happy. I have a good friend, a real friend, a real friend with purpose here today. And folks, I'd like to introduce to you, Catherine Yarbrough. Welcome, my dear friend. Hello, Debbie. It's so fun to be here with you. Well, it's really fun to hear you and have to explain that to our audience because Angela and I spent the last 10 minutes trying to figure out why I couldn't hear her. <laughs> and it was a it was a technology glitch. So we learn something new every day and, uh, you know, it wakes you up. So mm -hmm. welcome, my friend. And you come to us from sunny Florida also. Yes, I do. Central Florida. Lake Mary, up you near Orlando, is that where you yes, are? Yes, it's the north side of Orlando. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That's actually, I was just up in, uh, well, I was in Melbourne for 4th of July, but we have friends that live over in, might be Lake Mary. I'll have to check that out. You guys might be really close to them. Ah. Anyway, welcome. It's a little bit hotter up there than it is down here. Is it? Maybe. Today it's pretty warm, but you're just a hot, hot, hot lady. And I've spent, the, I've spent the last couple of hours listening to videos that oh you've my. done. I like to oh do my. that. I like to find out who my, my uh, guest is. And I actually listen for things that you don't talk about very often. Because I know that you're in business and we're going to talk about your business a little bit towards the end. But there's some other things that I would like to talk about that I heard on a thing that you did with the gal from Women with Purpose Women. What's on Purpose Woman. On purpose woman global and community jenny mm -hmm. yeah yeah you did an, an interview with jenny and uh touched on some things about hiding behind the wall and uh so get that in your mind we're going to talk about that but before then i always like to ask my guests a little bit about their background who they are where you grew up what your family situation was and what you like to do as a kid so go ahead miss Catherine. Okay. Well, I was born, I was made and born in Japan. Oh. 
So it's actually probably more fun for me to just say I was made in Japan. <laughs> With Dad Navy? <laughs> yeah, he was. And uh, we lived there for a year and a half after I was born. So my family was there for three years. And I guess I was there for a year and a half plus nine months or so. And that's interesting to me. I haven't been back yet. And I am going to turn 61 in just a few weeks now. So I, if I'm going to get there, it is on my bucket list. I need to get my button gear to get over there sometime in the next decade or so. So that's interesting. I've got some traveling to do. Anyhow, we then, my family moved to Florida and I grew up in Florida, in central Florida, actually. And my parents divorced when I was nine. So you wanted my family thing. So here it, here it is. My dad remarried when I was 12. So I have had in my life step siblings since I was 12. So I have a birth sister. Her name is Ellie. She's a year and a half older than I am. And we, we actually, she ran away from home when she was 15. I was 13. So that kind of speaks a little bit to the family culture. My parents had been divorced. Um, I, we were living with my mom and she left and she didn't really come back for to live in the family as a child. So that was an interesting childhood experience for me, or teenage experience. And, and we were not very close for a long time until probably the last decade and maybe even half a dozen years, we've gotten close again. And I really am very grateful for her being in my life and in a much stronger way. It's nice to have a sister who I, feel good talking to. And that's nice to be able to say, because I felt alone a lot of my life. Since we're being honest on this show, that's probably a truth. I, I'm, I'm a loner type person. I'm not a, I don't gather a lot of friends. And when I do have the friends I do have are, it's usually like one or two close friends at any particular period in my life. But I, I'm not the kind of person who holds on to friends her whole life. I look at people who do that with a little bit of envy, but, you know, I, I'm really okay with who I am. <laughs> so, um, but some people are amazing to me how they have tons of friends for their entire life. And I go, wow, how cool is that? But not me. So well, that's really interesting because I've had that feeling too. Um, especially going up 4th of July with my husband's group from college. They're four couples and I'm, I'm the new one. They've all been married for 30 something years. And I, I was the newbie a couple of years when CJ and I remarried, uh, when we got married and when we get together, it's, they remember everything. They remember everybody, you know, somebody has a, I mean, some of them are really good at, at keeping in touch with Facebook and, and finding out it's, it's like a gossip session. It's really quite funny. And I'm sitting there going, gosh, in college, I, I almost don't even remember those two years. I was at University of North Carolina and University of Vermont. I might have one or two friends that I keep in contact with once or twice a year, but not really close. And, and it's really interesting because when I lose friends, when, when I've been close with friends and someone is like, for instance, when I had my, this, the reveal of the scam and all that, and I came out with a story, I did lose people that I thought were my friends because I moved on and they're like, why are you telling that story? Why are you doing that? And 
that was difficult for me to let the idea of friends go away and not mm. contact them. And part of me still wants to call up and I don't know why I haven't, except I tried and it didn't go anywhere. And then if I, at some point you say, well, it's not my, it's not up to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I did hear you say one time, cause you come across very vibrant and, and you, that's your whole thing, right? Yeah. Vibrant and, and energetic, but you do enjoy that quiet time. I do. I do. So it, it it's interesting because, well, I can, I can be both very serious when I'm with people and authentic, what I would call authentically vibrant and energetic when I'm with people. And by myself though, I do tend to be more quiet and, uh, and thoughtful. So it is interesting. There, there's different aspects to who I am. I'm a complicated human being like pretty much everybody I know. Like all of us. And that's really important because there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Yeah. Are you ever lonely? Very infrequently, like for um, maybe twice a year, I might feel that feeling of loneliness, but it is, and it might last, I don't know, 10 minutes. It, it, it doesn't last. Is it because, well, you, you said something about your sister leaving that probably made a pretty big impact on you as far as being alone. Well, you know, if, if anything, it might, I, you know, it's an interesting question. I, I, I've done years of therapy. <laughs> <Just honest. laughs> good for us. It's really good for us. <laughs> it is. Lots of personal growth in my life. And I, I do remember doing a little bit of work around her leaving. And I still have maybe a little feeling, maybe a feeling of abandonment. And that might have affected me in terms of having a fear of abandonment that I might have a protective layer around myself still. Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking, I mean, I'm just being on, yeah, because I, I, I don't have any problem sharing this because it's, because isn't this interesting? I may still have a protective layer around me that keeps me from, it keeps me feeling safe so that I wouldn't be abandoned. I mean, it feels really small, but I think it might be there. It does make sense. It makes sense to me too, because I always like the feeling of, well, for me, safe is always the word that I use and, and safe in finances, safe in, in relationships, safe in friendships, uh, safe in family. And it's been interesting having my husband home this whole week because he had the COVID too. And I am so comfortable working from home, being home, not having a lot of people around. And after a few days, I could tell he really needed to get out. He wanted to go to the golf course. He wanted to do things he couldn't do. And so he finally yesterday said, Hey, I have to go look at a job in Pompano. Can you come with me? Can we just get out of the house? And I laughed. I said, cause I am so comfortable here. Yeah. And if I see people fine, if I don't fine, you know, so I love my flowers. I love, I actually like cleaning, which is silly. I'm, I'm doing this, uh, this thing with a friend of mine, Mel Mason, and she's, I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. She's called the clutter expert. And I don't have a lot of clutter, but the little stuff, the little piles of paper. Yeah. 
drive me crazy. So I'm sitting here listening to all these Zoom calls with a trash can beside me, <laughs> unloading. And Way to use your time. That's very therapeutic for me. <laughs> yeah. But do you find that paper is safe too? Do you like paper or are you a digital person? Kind of a silly question, but. I'm not sure I understand the question in terms of safe. I don't, I, I, I don't connect safe and paper or digital. I just, well, there's no for connection. Me, like, when Lou died, let's put it this way. He didn't have a lot of files. So I, he put everything digitally, which thank goodness I figured out his passwords. Um, but for I feel safer. I don't know if safe is a word, but I feel comfortable having a piece of paper, having like reading a book. I like the book. Mm. I don't like the digital, you know, writing a letter. I like to have something in my hand. I like to keep files. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably neutral with both of those things. Uh, with all of that, I, I use a lot. I do a lot on the internet. I do a lot digitally. And I also love to write. I journal in the morning every day on paper with pen. And I love to do that. And I also can do it on my computer. And I, I think part of why I love doing it on paper and pen is getting away from my computer because I do so much on my computer. And I, I just, I love to write. So no, I don't, that's not a thing for me at all. I have a lot of, I'm good either way. Okay. But it is interesting that there, there are uh, good reasons why writing down things, you know, releases the mind. And it just is very, again, very therapeutic to write rather than to type because I can type all day long, but writing it's nice. And it's, you know, I look back at letters that my grandmother wrote, hmm. I still recognize her handwriting. Yeah. Wow. How many people are, our kids are growing up on the computers. Who's going to recognize their handwriting? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, if I have grandchildren, I might write them letters. <laughs> I, I like that idea, especially when they're young. Hmm. Well, we love, I love getting letters from them. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but the pictures are cute. And, and just to see their little brains work, that's really, it's, it's great. So there's a part of our adult self that really does need to go back to our childhood. And, and I think, and you talk about this um, at one point when you're talking, when expressing ourselves through dance. Now let's go back. You were actually a dance major. You started. No. Well, let me, I'll, I'll, okay. So, all right. So yeah, we stopped when my sister left, which is interesting um, from an interesting perspective, but anyway, finished high school here in Florida. I went to undergraduate school at Clemson University in South Carolina. I got a BA in French and with a minor in economics and never used any of that. And then right away, I went straight to graduate school and got a master of fine arts in dance, which was an interesting choice in so many ways and left me in my 20s without having a career that I could generate a decent income. So my twenties were a really hard time for me. I grew up at a time, and this is fascinating. I've started watching the James Bond movies I, uh, about a month ago. They started in 1962. I was born in 61. So it's this 
history through James Bond of my life and the way men and women treat each other. So I grew up in a time where, and you can probably relate to this, the message for women was conflicted. Half of it was get married and be supported and have a family. And the other half was, but no, go out there and get a job and support yourself. And certainly in my family of origin, those were those both of those messages were communicated to me and no one really knew how to help me go out there and get a job. And I didn't know how to do it. And I got this master of fine arts and dance and taught aerobics classes and dance classes. And I was never really that good of a dancer anyway. And <laughs> so I, I just, I really struggled in my twenties. I was a great student. I was, sm- I am smart. I was smart. And so I felt like when I got my waitress jobs, they were beneath me. I didn't know how to find a corporate job. I mean, until my 30s, I didn't have a consistent income. Why fine arts, though? And, and what did the family say? Were there any naysayers around that choice? What happened was I had a conversation with my dad when I was either a junior or senior, when I was in the process of figuring out what I was going to do next. And I was looking at getting a MBA, uh, business administration in international business, or a master's of business administration, or the dance path. Actually, my dad said to me, Catherine, all you do is talk about dance. Why would you go get an MBA? You never talk about that. And so with his advice, in quotes, I went down this path that, Debbie, on the one hand, my 20s were hard as heck because I went down that path. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, because I went down that path, I am a really cool person. And I had a spiritual experience when I was in graduate school for dance. It completely changed the trajectory of my life. Okay, so in my 20s, I didn't know how to make a living. I struggled until I became an entrepreneur, really, in terms of figuring out my place in the planet. But I am beyond grateful that I chose that path, even though it was hard. And I had some really hard times on many levels during my twenties. How does, how does dancing make you feel or teaching the aerobics? Was it more for you personally, or did you really enjoy doing it for your clients? When I taught dance, it was just something that I knew. And, aer- and aerobics step classes. I thought so when step first came out, I was doing that. Yes. Yeah, so that I, now I went back to school in my thirties and became a dance movement therapist. Okay. And that is different than teaching dance. That's okay. a it use. It's a form of psychotherapy that uses movement and dance. And I got a job in, um, in my late thirties after I finished that school, I had a son, I got married. I had a son got a job as a dance movement therapist in a hospital setting, worked there for about four, almost four and a half years. And it was interesting. It wasn't it. It wasn't the thing that lit me up, the thing that I really wanted to do. I'd had, as I said, an awakening experience in, in graduate school for dance that basically 
I got a download basically said, Catherine, your per what you need to do is teach people how to integrate body, mind, and emotions and, and behavior, body, mind, emotions, and behavior. That's what I knew then, not spirit. I wasn't at all aware of the whole spiritual path at the time, but that we need to integrate these different aspects of ourselves in order to be whole and healthy. So I, that moved me on this trajectory of trying to discover how to fulfill that mission. How do I teach people that? Aerobics wasn't it. Dance wasn't it. I got became the dance movement therapist and working in a hospital setting wasn't it. it. was moving in the direction. So then I started a private practice. I think it was 40. And when I started that in Columbia, Maryland. And so for the next 10, 12 years, I was had the private practice as a dance movement therapist. Working with children or with adults? Adults. I've, I've always worked with adults. Well, mostly worked with adults, but that's who I like to work with. Uh-huh. Well, mm-hmm, yeah. And that was closer, but it wasn't it. So then I got specialized. I, I started to teach other women entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs, how to manifest clients because to grow a private practice as a dance movement therapist, I had to learn marketing and I had to learn manifestation. And that's what got me into that path. And I love that. And I love working with women entrepreneurs. So, um, yeah, I don't remember your question, but I know we were talking about working with the adults. Cause I'm thinking, especially with, um, uh, folks, my parents age in their 87 and 92, uh, as they stop moving a little bit, you know, it's very important. My mom fell down and, and I was like, mom, she, she felt like she broke her finger and just got bruised up. And, and after about a week, I'm like, we have to get you back in the pool. This COVID, the last two years has been horrible for all of us, I think, as far as getting out and moving and getting our bodies working. Even this past week, I was creaking the other day and my husband was laughing. I said, I got to get back to the pool. Mm-hmm. I haven't been working that part. You know, the, the brain has been going, but the body hasn't been. And it's so integral uh, it is our, our well-being. It is. And it, and from my perspective at this point, Debbie, it's yes, it's important to be physically to move ourselves physically so that we feel good physically. And that's so, as you said, integral to our well-being. And there's levels beyond that in terms of integrating body, mind, emotion and spirit so that we're at this point so that what I'm saying is so that we can be the fullest expression of ourselves and really share our messages as entrepreneurs, those of us who are entrepreneurs. But it's also true for any person. Now, I'm not, I'm no longer doing dance with therapy. I'm no longer working with people in that kind of a way. But in terms of a message that I would love for anybody to know is goes back to that awakening experience that I had. Integrate your body, mind, emotions, and spirit with your behavior, with what you're doing in the world, and you will feel much better. And yes, I mean, it was truth what I got. And if we're split, if there are different parts of us split, and we haven't done the healing work, we, our lives can't be as fulfilled as possible. That's true. And that takes me back when I heard you, uh, your interview with Jenny, you were talking about uh, actually the topic of that conversation was get out behind the wall, hmm. which in my world, stand up and speak up the woman behind the smile. It was like, ding, ding, ding. So, yeah. This is so important. So let's kind of visit that. Cause you also said like a two-year-old is just full of this energy. And then we all grew up with kids need to be seen, not heard. So 
which part of me, you know, was around grandchildren, you still want to say that. But what does that thought pattern do to us when we hit 60? What has it done to us? Yeah, well, exactly. What did it do to us when we hit 20 or 25 or 30? All throughout my adult life, I have felt and struggled with speaking up. I would say now at this moment in time, I'm at a place where I've worked through a lot of that stuff. I'm ready to be the leader I am here to be, to speak up, to stand up and speak up just like you're asking us to do and not hide behind whether it's the smile, which I probably looked like that at least when I was 40, in in my 30s and 40s, I would have really related to hiding behind the smile because I did show that to the world. And I have had that feeling of who I am by myself and who I am in the world. But I don't really feel anymore that I'm hiding behind a smile. I don't feel like I show something inauthentic in the world and that I'm something else by myself. That's no longer the case, but it used to be because I used to be very, I would experience a lot of depression. And so, yeah. Well, and I heard you talk about, explain it, that uh, you felt like you were behind plexiglass. And, and that's when Jenny said, well, maybe not plexiglass because people can see you. So maybe that one way mirror, but explain why you felt that way. What was going on in your life? And then how did you get through that? Yeah. So as an entrepreneur and anybody who's listening, who's an entrepreneur, and you might be able to really relate to this, Debbie, we need to show up in the world and talk about what we do. So I started at the age of 40 talking about, at the time, a private practice and as a dance movement therapist. And then as my business evolved, I talked about the different pieces of it. But I felt, it, it, the plexiglass is actually how it felt, but maybe it was, because that, that's what it looks like to me, that it's plexiglass, but that it's invisible to other people. So they actually can't even see the plexiglass and they can't see me. So I'm standing behind plexiglass, looking out and seeing people walking. That's the feeling of it, but they don't even see the plexiglass and they don't see me. So I'm inside my little plexiglass dome, jumping up and down going, oh, I've got these services. I've got these services. Don't you want to know about my services? Don't you want to know? And I, I mean, part of that's learning about marketing, learning about communication to bridge between my inner world with other people's. But a big part of, I think in retrospect, looking back at that experience was what you were just mentioning, the childhood growing up in a family situation where I did not feel seen or heard. I still, with my mother, don't feel seen or heard. I still, to this day, she's 86. I still go, you're not listening to me. She doesn't listen to me. I mean, she, it, it's beyond me how I could say, I, don't, I, can't, I mean, an example might be um, tomatoes. I, I, that's not really a good example, but something like that. Like, I, well, I don't eat tomatoes, which I actually do eat tomatoes. But I, for years, I didn't eat tomatoes and she wouldn't hear me. I, for some reason, I'm not coming up with a good example right now, but it, it's to this day, I could say something over and over and over again. and she doesn't pay attention to it. I wonder if we all do that at some point, you know, we hear what we want to hear or 
maybe there's something, I mean, my mom's she's going to be listening to this too. And it's funny because she'll, she'll make something and she goes, yeah, this is your favorite thing. I'm thinking, I never said that was my favorite meal. <laughs> Bless your heart for doing it. But I don't know that I ever said that. And uh, I guess with, there's so many things going through our heads. We're thinking that that's what they, that's, we, that's what we said, but I, I, I kind of get it. Um, but if, like you too, you know, it's, and for those of us that do like to kind of be quiet and alone sometimes to be, to put ourselves out there is an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. So how did you get through that discomfort? Thank you for asking. What a great question. I love it. It's been a step-by-step process. So we're talking 21 years. I started 21 years ago as an entrepreneur where I learned that I was going to have to speak up, stand up and speak up. And I have learned a lot. Like, for example, I learned that relationships are built one interaction at a time. So for me, that means... I, I, I think that when I first started this whole process, I thought that I would just, I don't know, it was like distorted thinking that I would just stand up, say, okay, I'm a dance movement therapist, come work with me and everybody would love me. And if that didn't happen, I didn't do it right. So it was like, there I am standing behind my plexiglass, jumping up and down. And so, I mean, it sounds so simple to understand that relationships are built one interaction at a time. And for me, I'm a slow to warm up person. So I, I have learned to just keep showing up, doing an interaction back and forth, whether it's a networking experience, like you and I, we know each other from the WPN community. We've shown up when we could go <laughs> to in-person things a few times. We would see each other. And then I know we've had a few conversations in person But a lot of it was we saw each other. We would say, you know, there was a hello, hello about, you know, a recognition of each other. And now it's like, you're my friend. You may not be my best friend, one of those one or two people, but you're my friend. And and it's very cool to feel that way. So it's a really small thing. One of the many things that has helped me. And, and that's important. And, and you, we all have heard too, that we, we like to work with people that we know, like, and trust. And in my world of, of the fraud awareness and stuff, that's, that's a difficult thing because I grew up really trusting people and, and wanting to trust people. And when I was, you know, part of a financial fraud and lied to for two years, that really was, that just pulled the rug out from underneath me. And I think the women that I work with, that's the true, that's true. It's like, how do we start to trust again by putting ourselves out there? And I found that speaking up and standing up and speaking up, it's difficult at first, but once you do it and you, and I heard you say this about Toastmasters, once you get a little bit of the attaboys and maybe you need to do this a little bit better to be a little more effective, but it was positive. When we get that positive reinforcement, it gives us this inner, yeah, you know, it's all I can, it's, I can feel it even when I, when speaking to you now, you get stronger, the more you speak up. Yeah, it's just the first, the initial putting yourself out there because you're afraid of what people are going to say and what they're going to think judgment. I think, yes, I think that that's a big piece of it. I think we all have different things going on. 
I'm running a fun Facebook live challenge right now. And I, yes, in yesterday's assignment, they were supposed to, they're doing 10 Facebook lives. It's really great. So yesterday was day three. I asked folks to say why they want to do, do them and what might get in the way. And one person said that what might get in the way is her fear of being invisible. So some people, it's the fear of being judged. Then we've got the fear of being invisible, the fear of, I mean, there's just all kinds of, there's different flavors for the discomfort and different reasons for the discomfort that we feel in that process of stepping up and being seen, speaking up, stepping up, speaking up and being seen. So whatever a person's is, is valid. And we get over it, as you said, by doing it. Well, and I think I've, as I've gotten older too, and I've learned how to say no to things. And I've also learned that it doesn't matter that we have 50,000 viewers or 50,000 followers, because we're really only interacting with a handful of them. Hmm. And I also have found that, yeah, I'd love to impact a million people, but if we can help one, and that's Nancy's philosophy, the one philosophy, it's there to help the one. And I heard Deborah Poneman say this yesterday in Deborah Morrison's event. Uh, again, you know, she was a big influencer for many, many years and then stopped for 21 years to raise her kids. And she said, and when I did that, the same thing, the general officer that I went in to see after I resigned from the Air Force, he opened up his big book and said, what are you going to do? And I told him, and he said, Deb, you will influence generations by staying with your children right now. And that's all I needed. I could have stayed in for 20 years, you know, in the Air Force, but I didn't like the women that I saw ahead of me. And I, I felt it was more important to be there with my children. That was a big step to, to leave something, the safety of a paycheck, to leave that, to stay home, to raise your children. And now I look at my kids and I'm so proud of them. They've, you know, best thing I could have done was spent that time with them. The best thing that I could do right now is open my mouth and talk about what happened. Yeah. And in, we'll move into what you're doing because you're helping people do that now. So how did you get, how did you morph into from your dance therapy into past the manifesting the clients? What was holding you back there? What, why wasn't that your passion? So actually, I now say that I'm a vibrant speaker coach and manifesting clients mentor. So okay. I, I really enjoy all of the work that I'm doing right now. I'm in this process of integrating the vibrant speaker coaching with what I have been doing for the last four and a half years with regard to supporting women entrepreneurs in manifesting clients and growing the businesses that their hearts long for. And I'm not sure where I'm ultimately going to land with all of this because I enjoy it all in different ways. But the vibrant speaker coaching is where I'm getting the opportunity to, to walk with people through their process of breaking free from childhood and corporate conditioning that had them suppress their authentic vibrancy, that aliveness that you spoke about, that you had heard me speak about when we were two or three or four, we were fully alive. There, most of us, unless there was some trauma at some young, very young age, were really amazingly brilliant 
beautiful, expressive children. And then, and then we get the messages that we get, whether it's from our family of origin, whether it's from school, exactly, the teachers, the culture, the media, all the different ways in which we get our messages. And then when we get older in corporate, I have a client who was told that she was inappropriate and when she was in corporate that and it shut pieces of her down. So she became serious when she speaks. And so she can't be authentically vibrant because yet she's in the process of breaking free. So anyhow, because I've been on this path to become the best speaker that I can be, I've been in Toastmasters, I've been learning a lot. And then something happened in December where I had this another aha moment, put the pieces together of my experience as a dance movement therapist with what I see so many speakers need in terms of being able to use their body when they speak. And I started a program called Speak With Your Body. And it's been wonderful to well, share. For me, that's fun because I think, you know, you're incorporating that dance now and all the motion and, and that's it. There's nothing more boring than a speaker that just stands there behind a mic or on a Zoom call. I thought I saw you doing it on a Zoom call where it's just this monotone and they're just slow or it's the you knows and the ums and all those filler words and as an editor it drives me crazy uh there's the ah but there's something about movement and about engaging and i heard you say this one too that the toastmasters uh gives you it's not criticism it's feedback constructive feedback and they made the comment about you tell great stories Mm. I heard that in your, in your art in your interview with Jenny, that you are a great storyteller and that I think all of us have some great stories. Hmm. Why don't we tell our stories? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a rhetorical question or if you're really asking. No, I'm me. asking, I'm asking you as, as my co-chair, why don't people tell their stories? Well, you know, in general, I would say, I, I don't really. I don't really know with each person why a person doesn't tell her stories. I think we're all unique. So I would have, we'd have to talk to each person why a person doesn't speak up and tell her stories. Maybe they don't have a reason to. But don't you find it valuable when we do hear their stories? I think from my perspective as a vibrant speaker coach, I personally like it when people share messages that matter. And if their story ties into their message, I want to hear the story. Good stories, just a story for a story can be entertaining. And I, I, don't, I don't live in gossipy kind of, I don't have a desire for a lot of just story. I, but I love a story with meaning and message. There you go. And that's the difference because we've all heard that people will remember you not by what you say, by how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. And I found, especially interviewing folks over the years, that everybody has something that has happened to them that they may have hidden all these years, but mm-hmm. is holding them back. And when they do let it go, finally, I can see it. It just is this for me too. It was this release of let go whatever happened because you can't change it 
Yeah. And uh, one of our, our guests said, there's a book out there that says, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. That's really true. Mm-hmm. It happened. And people are going to argue that it doesn't happen for a reason. For me, I feel like things do happen for a reason. In my life, they happen for me, not just to me. And it's important. And I relate to people when I hear something that's happened to them, I'm thinking, oh gosh, that happened to me. Well, now we can talk. And there's a little bit of civility because we have something in common. Mm -hmm. So given the world situation, we're not going to get political, but I, how do you find people these days out there? Are they being kind? Are they not? And in, in, Interesting question. Um, so in my, generally in my world, people are wonderful. Okay. okay now uh, this is my perspective. The outside world reflects our inner world. It does. So if I find obnoxious people out there, I need to look inside of myself. That's a really important thing that I've learned over the years. And so, for example, if we go back to my mother, if my mother's at this stage in my life, what I get is that if someone like my mother or anybody isn't hearing me, I can also look at where am I not either communicating well or where am I not listening to others? So I think that what for me, it's true. Our external world reflects our inner world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the world I live in is beautiful. That being said, I'm also aware of the political situation. I'm aware of the Supreme Court's recent decision that I disagree with. I'm aware of things that people say, but I don't, I don't spend energy in that for the most part. Every so often I get irritated. I, I got mad when I heard about the Supreme Court decision. I, I, I mean, my ire arose. Now, that being said, yesterday I was out with getting my morning breakfast and in the, I was sitting in the parking lot eating because I like to do that. And this guy stormed out of the store and yelled something totally obnoxious and used the word nigger. And I was like, what the? I mean, it was so amazingly obnoxious and he was so angry. I, I never hear that kind of stuff. So I don't know what's going on inside of me that that showed up in my world. Or if it's a reflection of some of the unsettlement that's happening in our country. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, and it's interesting to talk to our parents, my dad and mom particularly, because they've seen a lot. Dad's 92. He's seen a lot in 92 years. And he's, he's sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know if this is any better, if it's getting any better. And even the conversation I had with my husband yesterday about you know, people going in and, and just vandalizing and stealing and, and all that feeling entitled to take stuff. And I'm thinking, where's all this coming from? And and do we speak up about it? Because I know I don't, I don't engage in any of that stuff online. I don't find that my energy needs that negativity, but as soon as you turn on the TV, turn on the news, you're seeing it. And it's like, we've, we've morphed into an uncivil society in many ways. And, and we don't have to, because I think that's why this is so such an important uh, platform for me is hearing other people's stories 
really um, makes us bind as individuals and we become friends and friendly and willing to have a discussion. We may not agree with each other, but we can at least have a civil discussion, which leads us again to our authentic being. And, and that's, that's what you're teaching is, is helping people to be authentic, not confrontational, right? Well, authentic, authentically vibrant speakers and authentically vibrant entrepreneurs where they're showing up as their true self so that the people around them can experience their essential vibration. I don't know about confrontational. I don't talk. I mean, that's confrontational. Yeah, exactly. But what's coming to mind in response to what you're saying is this. Did I mention that I've been watching James Bond? You did. Yeah. And I, okay. that's cool. Cause I'm thinking of Miss, was it honey penny? <laughs> yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Honey penny. And, but, but money, money, penny, money, penny. Um, anyhow, the transformation that's happened in 25 years since I was born reflected in James Bond movies. James Bond was treated women as if they were property basically, and and as if they were delicate beings that needed to be taken care of, kind of, in this condescending kind of way. And the women acted like that in the beginning. And then there's this whole transformation that's happened that in the, since 2000s, in the 2000s, the women, we women have been standing up more and more. We're, we're walking in partnership with men in a way that we never have in modern society, in Western society, at least, I think, or in the United States, I guess I can speak to that as far as I know, and maybe even since the last 2000 years. And so there is a major energetic transformation happening that's been happening. And I feel like we're in this place where this upset, there's this upset, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like, um, a mixed things are like this energetically. So where it was, we all knew our roles. We knew our place. We've made this transition and I, I'm, it's not just women and men, it's people of color and pe- you know, white people and people of, I mean, whatever, all colors, we're all colors, all of us colors. We're in this mix. Mm-hmm. We haven't come out on the other side. So of course it's a little upsetting. There's some not knowing how to be in this kind of craziness and then the politics and the this and the that it's it's an interesting time and i do think we need to keep speaking up in the way that is right for who we are my friend jenny robertson reminds me of this what is yours to do i know that comes out of a, a teaching from someone else but i love it i love the question what is mine to do what is yours to do where are you to speak up and yes as women as you know, whatever, let, whether it's at home or at the neighborhood restaurant or on Zoom or on Facebook Live or wherever we are, let us speak up what is our truth in a way that we're being who we're here to be and we share what what is ours to share and we speak what is ours to speak so that together as we put all of our voices and all of our energies into this mix we come out on the other side of this transformation we in we're in the we humans come out 
cohesive and working together. And, and I think that that's possible. I believe in that. And maybe I need to speak up more. Maybe I need to speak up about that as, as a, to put that in the mix. Maybe. And I'm thinking as you're speaking, it, it's, there's a way to do it with kindness, intelligence, articulateness, that's the word, to be able to really hone in on the purpose and not just blabber, just to blabber, but to have purpose behind what we're speaking. Uh, because there is a lot of pain out there and everybody knows that. And it's, it's how do we turn that pain into, I like to say, into our purpose and into our passion and to do it so that we can open up dialogue between, mm-hmm. between parties. And, and that's what's important. It's just to stay away from the dis- divisiveness and the discouragement. And where's all the encouragement? And I love what you do because it's making people vibrant and positive energy is good for all of us. You know, that Hallelujah. happy mm. hormones <laughs> and all that, because a smile is a whole lot better than a frown. And that's silly, but we tell our two-year-olds that, you know, turn that smile upside down or turn that frown upside down. And it takes more muscles, I think, to, to frown than smile. Maybe I got that backwards, but I like to say that it's easier to smile. Just if you, if you, it's, I don't want to have folks hide behind the smile, but that, that does happen. And that's happened to all of us where we've been taught to be as perfect as possible and don't let anybody see the cracks. Well, that's not real. We all have some sort of crack uh, and it's not, you know, the word disease is really dis-ease or mistake is really missteps. So the things that we've done, everybody's done something. So let's put a positive spin on it and, and make it better and get out there and and shine. So go kind of, we've kind of gone in different directions here, but it's kind of interesting. I haven't had this discussion with anybody, but in your Facebook challenge this week, what was the biggest aha moment so far? Because it's just been a couple of days that your folks have found in putting themselves out there. Cause that was a challenge. And I I looked at it going, maybe I should have done that. I'll do it again, Debbie. Maybe you'll want to join us. The The challenge is to do 10 Facebook Lives in our secret group. So they don't have to put them out into the world yet, but it's to get comfortable doing Facebook Lives so that they can create a Facebook Live plan and use that as part of their marketing. Because if you don't feel comfortable doing them, you're not going to do them. Right. So uh, it, it's been interesting to witness the biggest aha Well. Well, I will say this, one person who was already comfortable using them, one of the things that I teach is for people to put a title and a description. And she said, wow, but since I started doing that in the last couple of days, I've had more interaction on my Facebook lives. So just a really simple tip that I shared on how to do what I call best practices or best practices for great Facebook lives. You know, it matters, these little tiny things. Um, how about getting past the, I remember the very first video I did, it was probably a minute, but it took me 30 minutes to do it. Oh, like, it didn't look good enough. I couldn't get the camera right. You know, do people having those issues? Cause that can hold you back too. The technology can hold you back. Exactly. Well, I, yes and no. I mean, that's part of the reason of doing a 10 in 10 days is to just do them. So, and I, my instructions are very simple. It's very laid back. It's a fun Facebook live challenge. So the idea is to take that kind of angst that people feel out of it. So no one has said yet that they've 
would taken 30 minutes to get ready <laughs> to do their, their two-minute Facebook That was a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But what has been fun for me to witness so far is just in three days, seeing people go from this person who's like this <laughs> to like letting themselves come through. And it's just, it's been beautiful to see that transformation with some people. Anyway, I'm, it's a fascinating experience and I'm loving it and looking forward to seeing what other ahas come through. That's really fun. And, and I'm looking at your book. Your book is called keep moving forward. It's for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, but it does have a message for everybody. Tell me why you wrote it. and, And what was your message there? Well, I don't know about a message for everybody, but yes, keep moving forward is a good message for anybody. Uh, The book is for on-purpose solopreneurs. I wrote it because my future on-purpose self told me that by writing it, I would know more what I'm here to do on the planet. And so it was a really great experience for me to write the book to get clear of what it is that I've been teaching. And I also got some downloads that came through that make make what I'm now teaching even more meaningful. So it's all about how to grow a business as an on-purpose solopreneur. And one of, and, and it's based on a metaphor of growing a business. It's like going on a trip in a car and there's five different pieces to it. And it's, uh, I've heard other people really like the book. So though it was really great for me to write it, uh, I have got I want to say 31 five-star reviews and lots of comments. So if you go to Amazon, you can see what 31 people have said about the book and you know, people are loving it. There you go. And, and it's interesting because a lot of entrepreneurs are starting in their forties, fifties, and sixties. So that was part of our, our conversation was change happens, expect to evolve. And we can do that. You know, at 20, you're not where you are now at 60. Me too. If you'd asked me even 15 years ago, if I'd be doing today, what I am doing, I would have said, absolutely not, <laughs> but it brings great joy. And I could see it on your face, what you're doing now, it brings great joy for you. And for those of us watching, cause I really did enjoy some of the videos that you've done. So my dear, I, our hour has flown by in spite of some of our little technical difficulties at the beginning, but I want people to be able to contact you and to get in with your group. So how, how can we do that? So first of all, if you're on Facebook and you are an entrepreneur, join me in my Vibrant Entrepreneurs Facebook group. So just type in Vibrant Entrepreneurs. There may be a couple that you see, but uh, so look for me and and my picture. The URL is Vibrant Entrepreneurs Love Life, I think, or Love Life Now, something like that. It's a great group. And then you can find me on my website at Manifesting Clients academy.com manifesting clients academy.com and there's multiple ways to reach out to me and there's a free thing you can sign up for my e-list and get a great assessment on the home. Are, are you currently doing your body what it was it called body speak um, with your body um speaking with your body the speak with your body program is a series of nine private sessions so it is it can people can start anytime okay. that's on my website mm-hmm. okay perfect uh, well, thank you, my dear. This has been fun for me. And uh, to go back in time too to find out, thank your dad for his mm-hmm. Navy service. We have a lot of military in our family. And uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for opening up about you and your sister and about even talking to mom, because 
right now it's, you know, I'm finding as parents get older that we, we are not going to have that much time. Uh, either I could go tomorrow or they could go tomorrow. And I want to make sure that, that uh, we've gotten the unspoken things spoken and uh, as best we can. And, and that's important for our, our kids to see how we speak to our parents and, and the people that we love, know, love, and trust. So folks, go to Catherine's website, check out her book, Keep Moving Forward. If as a solopreneur, you'd learn a lot. Even if you're not in business, you may be in business at some point. We're all living to a long, ripe age of, you know, 90s, 100s. It's ever what Morrison would say. We're going to be around for a while. So we still have a third of our life to go. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's do it, Debbie. Let's have fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend. Have a wonderful day up in Central Florida and uh, my best in all your adventures. I'll see you around. All right, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.